Well, good morning, church. Thank you. Um, well, I've received so many prayers this morning. It's been great. So I was nervous when I came in. Now I'm fine. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, I... Oh, sorry. Is that better? I'll try to stay still. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabby. And so I can save you a little time in case you're trying to work out where my accent's from. I'm from Brazil. We have a few of us in the church. We brought quite a few of them now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so since it is my first time preaching in the church like this, and since it is my first time preaching in front of my parents, it's only fitting that I take this time to honor them. So mom, dad, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Uh, thank you for all the patience, the wisdom, love, sacrifice that you've put into us. And thank you for your obedience to God. I love you. Just a second. Little wardrobe change. There we go. Okay. So when I was thinking about what to preach, I started to think about my parents. And since they have always been showing me Jesus, it was just so easy to think about Jesus when looking to them. And since Jesus is the very definition of the word perfect, um, everything seemed to fit. But even though I would love to spend the whole day talking to you about how great Jesus is and all of the awesome characteristics he has, we're going to talk about two today. Um, But before we go into them, could you please open your Bibles for me in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. If you don't have one, there are some Bibles in front of you. Please use them. If you don't have one at home, please take them home. Um, If not, we're going to have them up here. There we go. So in Luke 18, verse 9, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner." I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we will keep on coming back to this verse, but I'd like to bring your attention to the very first character of Jesus we're going to talk about today, which is humility. You see, in in these whole verses that we, we just learned, the clearer characteristic that God says that he, um, he, he loves, it's the humbleness. You see, Jesus was, is, and will always be the most wise person, the best person that has ever stepped on earth, right? And even though he was, and he knew he was, he didn't treat anyone with arrogance. He was always humble towards them, not only in the way to speak, but in the way he treated them. He made them feel loved, seen, and cared for, even when they were wrong. 
You see, that's the difference. We don't always act like that. When I first read those verses, it was quite a slap in my face. You see, sometimes we just like to think that we know best. We judge people about the way they dress. And just because sometimes they fall on something that we don't, we think they're better than them. That's not quite how it works, is it? So, okay. Let's imagine an example that I'm pretty sure none of you will know because you're all so holy. But imagine you're driving to church and then someone just almost hits your car. And you're so calm about it, I know. But some of us are not. And so we curse at them or we lie to our boss or we lie to our wives. And then we get to church and we type or we get to church and we pray about people. And then we think, oh, I'm so good. Or we look at people and we don't quite like the way they're dressed. We don't think it's appropriate. Or we think that, you know, they're just not taking it seriously. We don't even know what they're going through, but we're already judging them. And we're already putting ourselves in a standard that's higher than them. It's almost like we want a cookie or a medal for doing the bare minimum. And then I came across James, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, that says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing it right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, You shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. How does that make you feel? Because you see, I tithe, but if I lie, I'm still breaking the law. If I take care of my husband, but then I go outside and I mistreat people, I'm still breaking the law. So one thing that I've learned the past few days is that in a world that keeps telling me that it's all about me, that what I think is right, that what I feel is right, that what I believe is right, trusting God above myself is an act of revolution. You see, the reason for that is very simple. I have a mirror here. If I'm focusing solely on myself, I'm, looking, I'm only looking at myself, what I think, what I believe. But that also means that I'm not looking at the cross. That also means that I'm not looking at Jesus. How many of us are doing that? We think that the way we look, we look is not good enough. So then we're focusing a lot more of our energy, of our time, in trying to make us look good outside. But what about the inside? What a lot of people don't understand is that looking at Jesus is also an act of love towards yourself. Because as you're looking to Jesus, he will tell you about yourself. He will speak truth over you. And then all of the little lies that the enemy keeps telling you, that keeps on making you focus on yourself, suddenly they're gone. You know why? Because God is a God of truth. 
and he will only speak truth over you. So if any of this resonates with you, my first invitation to you is to repent today because there is freedom from self-righteousness today. God is not here waiting for you to get there tomorrow. He's okay with waiting and meeting you where you're at. Church, make no mistake, he will wait for you, but that doesn't mean he's not in a rush to get to know you. You see, the second characteristic of Jesus that we will look at today is forgiveness. So one of the very first things I understood about Jesus is that he looks at me and talks to me about the stuff that he deposited in me, which is very different from what the devil says. He looks at me and calls me by my sin. You see, we try to make sure that we are worthy just as long as we think we're worthy. We forget about thinking what God says it's worthy. So what is the lowest class of society today that we think they are not worthy of a lot of stuff? There are people that are convicted criminals, and we tend to think about them as less of anything else. And then it reminded me of Paul. So in case you don't know who Paul is, so Paul was a guy named Saul. And Saul used to persecute Christians. He used to kill them. And there was a day he was on his way to go kill some Christians. And then God just showed up to him in a light, asked him, what are you doing, Saul? Why are you persecuting me? Saul went blind. He kept on going with his, uh, with his colleagues to the to the. Uh, the town they were going to, um, and he was blind for three days until God came to a disciple called Ananias and told him um, to go meet Saul, lay hands on him, and he would be healed. But Ananias then got a little afraid because, you know, he heard about all the other stuff that Paul was doing. He knew Paul was difficult to deal with, to say the least. So he was afraid. Um, But God said something very interesting. He told him plainly, Go, because I have chosen Paul as an instrument to proclaim his name to the Gentiles. So Ananias went, Paul gained his vision back, and from that day onwards, Paul became arguably one of the biggest apostles in the Bible. Isn't that crazy? That God has chosen a murderer to proclaim his name to a bunch of people. And people are still being saved because of this act today. But you know what's crazier? God's still doing that today. He's still choosing people that we deemed unworthy to come and ruffle feathers and bring his name glory. So before I continue with my next story, I need to give you all a warning. Because unfortunately, the truth is we live in a bad world and people are not always nice. Some people abuse us and the Reality is that I know many people, maybe in this room or even watching online, are experiencing abuse right now in whatever situation they're on. So to you, I want to tell you, there is freedom for you today. There is healing to you today. We are here as a church and we're ready to stand with you. 
there is a whole team of pastoral, uh, a pastoral care team here that will be ready and happy to journey with you in whatever situation you need. So if you're here right now, please, at the end of the, the, at the, end of the service, reach out to, to me or to either one of our pastors. We will be more than happy to talk to you and give you all the support you need. And if you're online, please email pastoralcare at coastlinevineyard.church. Um, and they will also be happy to um, care for you there. So the story I'm, gonna about to, I'm, I'm about to tell happened with this pastor. I went to, um, to a theology course up in London a, a few years ago, and this pastor told us a testimony that literally changed my life. And hopefully it will make, it will make you um, think about a lot of things differently. So he was talking about a time where he was, um, he was serving food to homeless people. And there was a guy that was sitting all the way separate from anyone else. Um, he wasn't eating, talking to anyone. And so any, someone from the team realized that, told him to go double check if he was okay. So he went, um, talked to the guy, how are you doing? Are you okay? And the guy said, no. Not really. I just came out of prison. I don't really know how to um, be in society anymore. Everyone keeps looking at me as if I'm a monster. They don't want to talk to me. They just, you know, I, I just feel very ashamed and like I'm not worthy of doing anything. So the pastor asked him, like, would you like to share what happened? And this, uh, this man proceeded to, to share a very hurtful story of what he had done with a with a child. Um, so it was one of the worst things you could do with a child. And so he was, um, he was prosecuted and he was in prison for decades. You see, the pastor then started to have a very real internal struggle because he reminded that he had a daughter about the age of the little girl he, this guy had done awful things to. And so he's human nature was ready to punch him. He was saying he was really ready to beat him up. And then the Holy Spirit very gently told him, talk to him about me. And then he started to have a very real internal struggle saying, God, I don't want to talk to, you, uh, talk to him about it. He doesn't deserve to know you. He doesn't deserve freedom. Look at what he's done. You know, if I didn't know you, I would have killed him right now. And then God told him, you don't deserve either. I'll give you a second to take the story in. Because straight after this, the pastor told him about Jesus. Very unwillingly, might I add. He was very, oh, you know, there is a God. And he can wash all your sins away. And you're going to be new. Do you want this? You only need to do a prayer. And the guy wanted it. So he accepted Jesus. And straight away, his semblance changed. He, he got up and he started to praise Jesus. He started to sing that he was a worthy son of God. How crazy is that? It's okay if you don't know how to take this story in. It's okay if you're not quite as happy as we should be about someone getting saved because of the whole situation. There's a lot to consider in this story. 
So sometimes we think we have the right to decide who gets and who doesn't get to be saved. On our old, in, our, in our own worldviews, um, but the reality is that none of us really deserve it, do we? The truth is that Jesus died for me, for you, and for Judas. Did he, know, he, did he know that Judas were going to betray him? He did. He still died for him. He still loved him. And he still does that for all of us today. So, let's remember the verses we read in James. If we break a single law, we're guilty of breaking all of it. Let's not judge the people that have broken earthly laws because we break godly laws every day. And church, I don't want to bring any of this up to make you feel ashamed and just make you deal with it. You see, there's a really good God that wants you to bring, he needs to bring these things up so that he can heal you so that he can forgive you, so that he can start molding your heart and making you better. He's not a God that just leaves you be. Once you accept him and he just goes, yeah, you see, here's all the baggage. You go with it. He doesn't quite do that. He, he sees the baggage, he shows you the baggage, and then he picks it up and walks it with you. So, as I mentioned, we first looked at the humility and what God wants to do with people that are feeling self-righteous. But now, maybe today, considering the last story that I mentioned, you feel quite like the pastor did when he wanted to beat up the guy that did awful things. Maybe you're not ready to forgive people that wronged you. Or maybe you're not ready to forgive people that maybe didn't even wrong you, but you feel so, so um, specifically tarnished by something that happened to someone else that it just makes you want to take that upon you and just make that right yourself. One of the things that God told me is that if a burden is too heavy, it's not yours to carry alone. So he is happy to come in and help you carry the burden up until the point you're ready to let it go and let him carry it by himself. Because you see, you don't have to keep on carrying anything. That's the, that's the great part of the gospel. There was a cost for us to have access to all of this. And it was not small. You see, he died for all of us. He was the only son of God that was sent down to this earth. And he came for you, for me, and for all of the people outside that don't even know his name, that don't care that he exists, that don't even want to know if he exists or not. He still loves them. He's still there for them. And those are the ones that really, really need to know that he is still there for them. So if you feel like the pastor, it's okay. As I said, God will meet you where you're at. But he will ask you, do you want to let it go? Because ultimately, 
It's your decision if you're going to move forward, if you want him to change you. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you into anything. You see, different from people, he's not going to make you do anything. He's going to gently ask you and tell you that he loves you and that he wants to make you better. But if you say no, he's going to say it's okay. I want you, but I will still want you tomorrow if you're ready then. But then again, he is in a rush to get to know you. You see, he died more than 2,000 years ago, and he was already in a rush to meet you because he had already designed you before the beginning of the world. He had already deposited something great in every single one of us. And then maybe you feel like the child that has been abused. Maybe something happened to you and someone did those things to you and you just can't seem to shake them off. You just feel victimized and you feel like you can't keep going or you can't forgive whoever has done horrible things to you. Again, there is freedom for you today as well. If you're ready to let go of your burdens, he is happy to take them for you. He is happy to mend your heart and to make you whole again. He is happy to make you feel you again. You see, abuse has a way with destroying our minds, with destroying the way we think of ourselves and of others. He's here to make that all change. So it's not about you being, um, what's the word? Innocent. It's not about you being innocent to the, to the point where you just trust everyone again and everything's nice and you think everyone wants your good because, again, we live in a world that's not good. But it's about him allowing to... Just make you trust people again, the right people, but giving you discernment so that you know who to trust. And that's the great thing about if you're looking at him, if you're focusing on him, all of that will come with it. Because he is very clear in the Bible, he says that seek first the kingdom and all other things will be added to you. That means specific gifts for you, specific things for your life, for what you need personally and materially. And maybe you feel like the guy that just came out of prison and feel like he's unworthy. Maybe you have done something that you're really struggling to forgive yourself or that you don't even think you are worthy of forgiveness. Well, there is forgiveness to you as well. God died for you as well. And he is happy to mend your heart, to make you feel whole again, to make everything go as he planned. Make no mistake, he is a fair God. There are consequences to be had, but that doesn't mean that you need to take them by yourself. That doesn't mean that you need to be all alone or that no one else will care or love you. We need to be a united church a united church 
that he's happy to stand with our brothers and sisters no matter where they're at, no matter what they've done. It's easier to say than to do, but we need to be willing to let God shape us and to let God guide us into being that kind of church that is so ready to let heaven come down to earth. So, for all of you that have felt something at any point, know that you don't need to trust your own righteousness. For if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. But also... Let's start revolutionizing this time. Let's start looking up to Jesus and focusing on him. We'll see a change. We want to see a change in Bournemouth. We're doing Abide. We're doing Blessed Bournemouth. We're doing other stuff, but it starts in us. So let's start revolutionizing the way we see Jesus, the way we see ourselves, so that God can really come down to earth. Thank you.